as we continue with this worship song this morning, I'd like you just to take a moment with me. About a week and a half ago in prayer meeting, Jim almost took my whole sermon without even knowing it. But uh, this song, He Touched Me, has touched me for a long time. Bill Gaither wrote this song years ago. And when you listen to the words, He Touched Me, we're, we're thinking in terms of Jesus touching us. And that's a good word. But almost a year ago, I've been sitting on this sermon. And I was recalling the woman who reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. You remember that she had, I'll let you be seated in just a moment, but please stand. 12 years, 12 years she bled. She had spent all her money, was gone. She had nothing left. But it says she said in her heart that when Jesus comes by, I'm going to reach out and touch him. That priestly robe. Well, something unique in this story that I'd like you to think about, which is the basis for my message today, It says that there were throngs of people and she reached out and she got a hold of the hem of his garment, that talit, if you will. And it says immediately she felt the presence of God flow through her body. And Jesus stood still. He stopped and he said, who touched me? Did you hear that? Who touched me? And his disciples said, everybody's touching you. Wherever he went, people were just thronging him. And he said, today, somebody, he said this, I felt virtue leave me. The word there is dunimos. I felt the power of God taken from me. are you? And says this woman trembled. She was afraid. By the way, I'm so glad she didn't tell anybody she was going to do that. Do you know that a woman was considered unclean? And to do what she did was against protocol. Jesus called her forth. He said, woman, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus would go places. He would lay his hands on the sick. He would deliver those that were demon-possessed. He would minister over and over again. But I'm going to show you today that there are some stories that it worked the other way. That Jesus marveled at the faith of some people. So, Jim, I thought we would just change a, a little bit of the world. I'm going to take a little liberty here. Instead of he touched me, I, I just want to use the words of Jesus and let's sing, who touched me? <laughs> And to think that that's you, that's me. We have the opportunity to reach out and touch them. So let's sing that again, who touched me. Let's use that word.
I ask you to speak to our hearts. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come and invade this sanctuary, those who are listening online. Lord, I pray that you would fashion a word that today would bring encouragement in a day and hour when we desperately need to have our faith renewed. Grant your Spirit's presence over this word today. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn to Hebrews 11. The title of my message today is Pleasing God. I had other subtitles that I wanted to choose. Hebrews 11, by the way. Uh, another title was Crazy Faith. How you like that idea? Crazy Faith. And uh, we have the opportunity today to look at faith, I trust, in a fresh way, a simple way. What I'm going to share with you today, probably many of you have heard before, but maybe not in the way that, like I said, we're going to share this word. But as we talk about faith, there's no better chapter in the Bible than the Hall of Faith. Amen? You all know what the Hall of Faith is? Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 11 goes through and talks about some of the great men and women of faith in the Bible. Uh, Moses, uh, Joseph, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, uh, all of these men and women of faith. And it outlines some of the things that they accomplished in a very concise way. But today I want to go a little bit in a, in a direction of that. But I want to go into the New Testament in just a moment and talk about the hall of faith of the common folk. They didn't make uh, Hebrews 11, but uh, they made their way into the scriptures. But before we do that, let's outline a few things that we want to address today. In Hebrews 11, I want us to start at verse 6, and it says this. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. All right? Now, I want you to look at that. And it says, without faith, it is... And what's the word in there? Everybody want to repeat that? Impossible to please God. What pleases God? Faith. What pleases God is faith. And as a matter of fact, it says it's impossible for any other way than faith to please him. And then it goes on and it says, For he that comes to God must believe. If you're going to come to God and you're going to get anything from God, listen, you must believe. That's his, that's his rule. That's what he says. And then he says, you must believe that he is. Some of your versions might read, he exists. And today I'm going to show you that the people who reached out, the people who who impressed Jesus by their faith, reached out and touched him and knew who he was. Instinctively in their heart, they knew he was God. Do you know that one of the big battles of the New Testament among the leadership was that Jesus went about calling himself God? And they, a uh, number of times, they picked up stones to kill him. <laughs> They blaspheme me. But those who received from God knew that he, there was something about this Jesus. And then it says here, must believe that he, he is, he exists, and that he is a rewarder. 
of them that diligently seek him. And so the heart of a believer is to seek after God. Does that end at salvation? I once saw a sermon. You talk about Sean watching the sermon. I once heard a sermon about is there life after salvation? <laughs> You're like, I believed, you know, 30 years ago. It's great. What's been going on today? Today I want to pray for an update. Do you hate that when your phone or your computer, you're trying to do something that says update? Oh. And then how long is that going to take? <laughs> Half an hour, an hour, whatever. Hey, listen, God wants to update our faith. Yesterday was great, but it's not enough. We need today. And then, how do we, if, if, if we're going to talk about faith, how do we define faith? Well, how about verse 1? Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, now this... I, I'm going to be honest, I've, I've been in the pastoral ministry for 45 years. And then adding all that I'm here and still in. Over 50 years. This verse is so gripping to me. I, you can read it and study it and do all that you can. It is so deep. It almost sounds crazy. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is substance. But yet you can't actually see it until whatever it is that you're looking for happens. And then he says, it is the evidence of things not seen. So what evidence do you have that you believe? What evidence do you have? My faith. And people will say, well, that's rather subjective, isn't it? Well, yes, it is to a degree. But yet the faith is sometimes things that I cannot explain. This sermon began when I was reading through my Bible, and, uh, as all, many of you do. And I came across the story of blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was a beggar. And uh, because of his blindness in those days, he didn't have a, a program to supplement his blindness, so he just begged on the streets. And uh, I don't know if any, have any of you been in big cities, New York City or stuff, where you come across beggars? I mean, some of them are pretty good at what they do, you know? I mean, you don't know whether they are or whether they aren't. And, uh, but Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming by. And so the scripture says that he began to yell out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he kept yelling this over and over again. And it says in the Bible that there were some people who went over to him and said, you're making too much noise. You're bothering all that's going on here. You're making a commotion. Now, in the Bible, it says, and I love this. I love it. It said, he yelled even more. <laughs> and I was reading that, and it just started to grip me. And it was just like I got transported into that moment. And I can hear him saying to those people, you want me to be quiet? You're not blind. I'm the one that's blind. And I've got a moment that I've heard about this Jesus. And I'm going to take advantage of it. And so he cried out the louder. And the Bible says, and Jesus stood still. Woo! It just grabbed a hold of me. Jesus stood still. And then he says, bring him to me. 
<laughs> now all these people that told him to, I, I shouldn't use the word shut up, but all the people who were told him said, now, now go get him. And Jesus stopped. Listen, one man caught his attention. You want to know why? Because he heard a cry of faith coming out of him. Just like the woman on the street. He heard this cry of faith. And he said, bring him to me. Now, now the Bible says, he threw off his cloak. That got a hold of me. That thing must have reeked like... I mean, can you imagine a beggar's... But I, I can just see, I'm going to see Jesus. Takes his coat off. And he makes his way to Jesus. And he says, what do you want from me? That I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, basically, according to your faith, be it done. Just like that, he was healed of his blindness. And he could see. And he walked with Jesus in the way. Can you imagine trying to shut him up now? <laughs> Woo! People that try to tell us that we should be a little quiet. I'll tell you what, it's time to shout a little louder in this day and age. Well, there, I, I'm just going to, you can kind of let me just roll I, because of the shortness of time. I mean, I, I need two hours, and I've only got just a few, so, hours. Uh, <laughs> did, you, did you hear about the pastor that was always going over time? I mean, he just never could do a short sermon. And uh, so this elder in the church said, look, here's, they, they had a meeting, and they said to the pastor, here's what we're going to do when you start to preach. You know, one of us are going to give you a lozenger, breath mint, and when that's dissolved and gone, then you're done. <laughs> so, you know, he did, well, the first day they brought him in, the first Sunday, and gave him a mint, and he went on for an hour and a half. And afterward, they were really upset, and they said, what happened? He says, well, he spit it out, and he says, I guess you gave me a button. <laughs> you know, that's not good, you know. But here we have this, these four guys one day who said that Jesus was in their town and they were going to take their friend to see Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was preaching in a house. The Bible says, uh, and I'm calling this the four roofers, yeah. And, and these uh, this, this place was packed. And it, listen, it was packed with doctors of the law, with Pharisees, all the top dogs from all around the, the area. They had come to have apparently a conference with Jesus and they wanted to know, you know, what was going on, probably to trap him, find a reason, find fault. But Jesus was in this house and it was packed. So these four guys, they're carrying their, their buddy who was a paraplegic and they get to the house and they try to get in. Picture that. Now you would think that the average person seeing somebody on a stretcher or on a wheelchair would let somebody through. Uh, we were down in Disney World and we found that people that, that are in uh, wheelchairs get to the front of the line. <laughs> Well, not that day. Uh, they couldn't get in. I can imagine these, some of these guys say, hey, would you let us in? We want to take him to see Jesus. No. We're here first. Too bad. So these four guys could have taken this guy home, but what did they do? They went up on the roof, and what did they do? They tore the roof off. Who does that? <laughs> Roofers. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I got the thinking about calling these guys roofers because uh, when it was all over, could you imagine them saying, we're glad to fix that roof. 
probably got a first class roof after that was done. And because they couldn't get them in, things are going, and, and they're tearing off the roof. Now, I'm picturing this, people inside, and the tiles, you know, junk falling off, off the ceiling and falling on their heads and everything. Can you imagine, say, what's going on? And I can just see Jesus going, I, I know about this one. And it says, they tore off the roof, and what does it say? I'll just tell you what it says. It says, and Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus, seeing their faith. I love this. He said, son, your sins are forgiven you. Blew the minds of all the theologians. Nobody can forgive sins but God. And Jesus said, that's right. <laughs> and that's me. I'm the God of the universe. I'm the God that created this whole world. And then after, after he asked him, what's easier, to forgive sins or to heal a body? They didn't know how to answer them. He said, son, sir, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed. You're done. You're ready. And uh, that place must have gone crazy. Four guys. And the guy in the bed, five people, got the attention of Jesus Christ. Their faith. As we roll on, I'm asking, what about your faith? Now listen carefully. Are you getting God's attention? Oh, that's not my responsibility. He, listen, listen. There are people who feel that Jesus and God are like Santa Claus. Just going on and passing out things to people when they need it. Now, I want to tell you that Jesus can be that way. He is a giver. Amen. Amen. But he asked, is, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? And so, Jesus Christ is drawn to faith like a nail to a magnet. Bang! Jesus Christ is touched by people who trust him. And all of these people in the most simple way. My attention turns to a journey where Jesus was up by, the, uh, up by Phoenicia. He was met by a lady who was not a Jew. She was a Syrophoenician Gentile. Her daughter was vexed by demons. And she heard about Jesus, and she went to find him. And when she found him, she began to cry out after him. And the disciples this time told her to be quiet. What's wrong with these people? I think we need to make a little more noise for Jesus. But anyhow, you know, be quiet and everything. So she, she's crying out to Jesus, and Jesus is looking like he's ignoring her. He doesn't say a word to her, doesn't address her, and it's almost, you look at the passage, like, this, is, this doesn't look like Jesus. And after this persistence, uh, finally, Jesus says to this woman, basically, it is not suitable to give the children's bread to dogs. <gasps> you, you get some people together and discuss that theologically and see how far you get with that. Oh, that's my, I can't even believe that. That doesn't sound like Jesus. There are people that have criticized him for lack of love. But what he, what he was saying was, I, and then he said, I have come but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I have come for the Jews. First and foremost, the Bible says he came unto his own, and his own what? Received him not. But it goes on to say, but to them who receive him, they have the right to become the children of God. But he said it's not suitable to give the children's bread to the dogs. 
And this lady, I go, you got to love this. You know, this lady said, right on. I mean, she didn't get, today, today they'd, they'd have them in a court of law. And she said, you're right, Jesus, you're right. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I want you to look between the lines and Jesus goes, what did you just say? And he said to her, uh, to the, uh, listen to this, I have not seen such faith in the house of Israel. Among the people who've been raised in synagogue, in our terminology, raised in Sunday school, grown up in the church. And here was a woman outside of the realm of that who understood faith. And she spoke it. And Jesus said, your daughter's going to get what she needs. Bang! She was delivered from demonic oppression and possession. And her faith is what accomplished it. That was, we call, the Syrophoenician woman. Well, Let's just go to another one, because this one I really like, the story of Zacchaeus. That little guy irks me. <laughs> he was a tax collector. He, was, he robbed people, ripped people off. He was very wealthy, and Jesus was coming in Jericho. Jesus was coming again, and so he, he hears about Jesus like everybody else. They're lying in the streets. Hey, did you ever notice a lot of people really went after Jesus? They lined the streets and everything, and uh, we've all been to a parade where the people that get there first, don't you? You know, they got their lawn chairs out, and nobody can get in front of them. I mean, somebody tried, you know, I was here first, you know. Well, anyhow, there, <laughs> Zacchaeus, it says he was a, uh, we know he was a wee little man. Could I disrespect him a little wimp that he was, you know, short stature and everything. And same thing, he couldn't get through. And they'd, get out of here. I, I can just imagine him saying, you're not getting up here. We, we've been here, we've been waiting, you know. So he's getting frustrated. And so what does he do? He climbs up, what in the tree? There we go. He climbed up in the sycamore tree. He climbed up in the sycamore. Who does that? Wealth, yeah, kids. He's a wealthy man. He can't buy his way in to see Jesus. He climbs up into a tree to see Jesus, and Jesus is walking by. And it says, and Jesus looked up and he saw him. Please understand, we need to look between the lines. Look past just the words. He looked and he saw Somebody that was seeking. What does Hebrews say? Those that seek him. And there he was. He was up there probably just seeking God but minding his own business and Jesus stops. And he looks up at him and he says this, today I'm gonna come to your house. Woo! Really? And everybody, everybody, Jesus is going to his house? Doesn't he know who these people are? And Jesus goes to his house, and what, what happens? We, we, you have to read between the lines. But you see in that exchange, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, if I have taken anything from anybody by ill means, I will return it fourfold. I will give back what I have stolen, what I have cheated people. And Jesus made a pronouncement. Today, salvation has come to your house. And what drove that salvation was his faith. Now, quickly, 
I've had people say, well, how much faith do I need to have? Most people, I, I, I need a lot of, a lot of faith. I've got to have some big faith. You know, you know, one of the things that irked me, I can say this because I'm not connected to it. Uh, I mean, you're connected here, but I don't, I'm not a pastor anymore, you know. No. So I can say what I want to say, amen. <laughs> Sorry, Sean, but I uh, mean, you know, Jim. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things that I can say. But uh, Jesus took some children and these people will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, I wish I had as much faith as you have. I want to look at them and say, you're, you're not very smart if you think that. I mean, what, what is there about professional people that people think that they got more faith than somebody else? I'm going to be really honest with you. I have been astounded at the simpleness that some people have of their faith. And it puts me to shame. Because I get all wrapped up in things. I try to figure things out. I'm going to tell you one of the greatest hindrances as we're going to look at in a moment is unbelief. Jesus took a child in the midst of them and he held the child up and he said, except you become like this. Like these children, you shall not enter the kingdom. What did he say about faith? It's a, like a grain of mustard seed. Now I got some news for you all. Romans 12.3, you don't have to look it up. God has given to every man a measure of faith. Everyone that's listening to me here in this sanctuary, on the internet, wherever, every one of you have been given faith. And it says that this faith is yours to use. And actually, the more simple it is, the more profound it is. We complicate this. So I want to take you in my last illustration. And uh, what, is it, what does it mean when the pastor says in conclusion? It means absolutely nothing. <laughs> but uh, let's, let, let's take a moment to that day that Peter and the disciples were out on the boat. Jesus had just finished feeding a multitude of people and he was stayed behind to pray. And uh, don't adjust your watch. Uh, Jesus went walking to them on the water late at night. Do you remember that? And uh, they're all of a sudden in the boat. They're saying, hey, 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 there looks like a spirit. There's something weird going on on the water. It's not a boat. And... You know, they're, they're, they're scared. And somebody says, I think it's Jesus. Now listen to this. Peter says, Jesus, if this is you, bid me come. What did Jesus tell him? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Who does this? Peter steps out of the boat. And he's walking on the water to Jesus. Well, the humanness of the story, which helps us all, is it says... When Peter saw the winds that they were boisterous, I'm going to fill this in. Uh-oh. What, what have I done? It says, he beginning to sink. Jesus reaches out and he grabs a hold of him. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Look, when your faith falters, when you start out big and strong and mighty and you're moving along great and all of a sudden some things happen, people 
throw things at you, doubts and fear and all kinds of things come rolling into your mind. It happens to all of us. I say that Peter walked on the water twice. Once on his own and once with Jesus' arm. I, they didn't swim back to the boat, did they? I don't think they, they walked back to the boat together, this time with Jesus' arm. I envision around him. But here's what scares me. He said to him, Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You had it in your hand. Do you know what, though? Later on, after Pentecost and after all of that, Peter became a powerful man of God, didn't he not? Amen. So if you think that there's these moments in your life and you say, what kind of a Christian am I? I've failed so much. God says, I've got something for you. So I want to leave with you a saying. It's up on the screen. I've had this as part of my life for years and years. This has helped me so much. And it says this. It's not the greatness of my faith that moves mountains. But my faith in the greatness of God. Listen, if you can get a hold of this, this will turn things around for you. Because we begin to measure our faith. Whatever you measure your faith by or by whom or to whatever, you're wrong. Because none of us have all of that. There isn't one of us here today that would say, oh, I have great faith. But it's my simple faith in the greatness of God. And all of these that I've showed you and many more are simple people who trusted in the name of Jesus Christ. I have to do this quickly because I'm way out of time, Jim. But I'm borrowing from the next time, next class. Real quick. Um, I, in my early years... I visited and spent uh, 12 different times at a Catherine Kuhlman service. If you don't know who she was, that's okay. It's, not, it's a discussion for another time. She was, had the gift of healing. She had many of her meetings in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and she wrote a book, two books, I Believe in Miracles and God Can Do It Again. And uh, I remembered a story and I, I dug out, I, I almost lost this book. I didn't know when I retired, I threw out a bunch of books or got rid of them. This was there. But I remember this couple who settled in Elyria, Ohio. And I, after I moved here, I said, I think there's an Elyria around here. You know, and so I went to Elyria to the library to see if these people were still alive. This, was, this miracle that happened in her life was in 1966. Well, they, they didn't live in Elyria. I went to everywhere I could find and hunt and everything. But anyhow, just briefly let me tell you this story. Harold Selby was 33 years old. He was a teacher. And one day he collapsed in the school, in his classroom. They got him to a hospital for a month. They did all these tests, finally to Mayo Clinic, and found out he had multiple sclerosis. Here he was, a young man teaching. He couldn't stand up. His, if you've seen people with multiple sclerosis, they couldn't. They're muscles. It's a muscle. And he was a mess. And, um, but he would try to walk uh, during the daytime. And he was on his street in Conrad, Iowa. Have any of you ever heard of Conrad, Iowa? Okay, well, little town. And he was walking up and down the streets one day. And he went by a pastor. It wasn't his own pastor. It was a Presbyterian pastor who saw him with these canes. 
just hobbling and wobbling. And this guy comes out, and pastor comes out and greets him and everything. And he says, hey, I got a book for you. I'd like you to read it. It's called I Believe in Miracles. So he took it home and all of a sudden he said, you know, I, I, this stuff with God, I, I got to get close to God. So he, he starts reading the book, got his faith encouraged. One thing leads to another. And he and his wife decide, decided to drive to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to this miracle service. Now, from Iowa, Conrad, Iowa to Pittsburgh is 800 miles. And he, it says in his story, he couldn't see most of the time. But his wife was scared to death to drive through any city. So here's what they did. They decided to go to Pittsburgh. $40 is all they had. Who does this? 40 bucks? They slept in the back of their station wagon. <laughs> have any of you been to Pittsburgh? Of course you Cleveland fans have been to Pittsburgh. Uh, a driving in Pittsburgh is the worst nightmare Amen. on the face of the earth. <laughs> so they would drive their car. They'd get to a city. She would get out. He would get in. And he, he, his, eye, his sight is fuzzy at best. And she, they would drive a little to the left. He'd be driving. little to the right, she'd say. Uh, they go to Pittsburgh, drive through Pittsburgh that way. Who does this? 800 miles. They get into the church service. The worship begins as we had today. And... They're singing, and he says all of a sudden he felt something was, the power of God was present. Do you know in that house meeting when Jesus, when the roofers, it says in that passage, the power of God was present to heal. I want to say that the power of God is present here. Anyhow, they, they're standing to sing, and uh, Catherine Coleman says, I want everybody to grab hands with the one next to you. Well, he could hardly stand. He, you know, he, was, well, he, he said, I laid my canes up and I reached out and he says, I looked over next to me and it was a black woman. And he said, I kind of stuck two little fingers out and she grabbed onto them. And he said, all of a sudden, God says, you're wrong. It's funny, God healed her prejudice. God healed his prejudice before he touched his body. He asked for God's forgiveness. He said all of a sudden, the power of God flowed through his body. From head to toe, he felt the presence of God. And he was healed instantaneously. The doctors at Mayo Clinic had told him that, you know, you're, you're going to die this way. And uh, he was thrilled to go back. He said when he went back to his school, they couldn't believe it. He taught in North Ridgeville. I looked that up too because I hadn't heard of that town either. He taught in North Ridgeville. I went to the library and looked up. They wrote a whatever their chronicle paper is there, they had a full-page story of his life and his healing in the chronicle in 1970, testifying. Uh, the, the principals came and said to him, they said, you know, uh, you're a good teacher, but we don't like all of this talk about Jesus. He said, you have to take it or leave it because this is part of my story. And could I use those words as the other? I'm not going to shut up about it. But today I want you to know that God's presence is here with you. How about it? We've got a, we've got a song and Jim and the group. Is it just you or the group going to join you? Oh, good. They're all going to come out. Now, when I was a kid growing up, my dad had the TV on on Sunday mornings and I, I'd see this guy on TV. I was about 
probably 14. His name was Oral Roberts. And I'd, we'd watch, you know, and he'd, people come up and say, be healed! And I, and I know people, I found out that people made fun of him. But there were people that were healed. There was a couple in our church in Jamestown who was touched at one of his meetings years ago. But he popularized this song. If you're new to this world since then, and don't take offense to these, some, some people don't like these people, but I, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter if you like some of God's servants or not. Because God's listening for people of faith. Take the names out of it. Take the, the gender out of it. Jesus is Lord. But he wrote this song, Only Believe. All things are possible. Only believe. And it's not the greatness of your faith that's going to move this mountain, but your faith in the greatness of God. Maybe you're here today and there's stuff going on in your life and you're just not getting through and you just, your, your faith has waned and today you're just saying, you know, I need to trust God. Peter, why did you doubt? It doesn't say this, but I can say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me of my unbelief and my doubt. And help me to trust you. One dear soul in the Bible said it this way, Lord, I believe. Help thou who can finish it. Help thou my unbelief. He's there to help that too. And as we're going to sing here in just a moment, if you want to just step out of your seat and come, uh, God doesn't have COVID, by the way. I mean, he, he's approachable. But if you want to come, and you know, you can distance yourselves or all that, whatever you need to do. But if, if you want to come, and I know Pastor Sean always says, if you want to come up for prayer, I'd be glad to pray with you. Others would be glad to pray with you. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's financial. Or whatever it is. But just only believe. Jim, let's sing that together. Why don't we stand as we sing it?
only believe. of history that we in our faith get to stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us who have said Lord use me Lord I thank you for this message thank you for the encouragement of it I pray for each one of us to continue to wrestle with what it means for us to take you at your word to understand what it means to be people who understand faith. And I pray that we would continue to live in that reality. And so in this place, Lord, we we do pray that prayer. The song that we sing often, the statement that we love to say is, Lord, would you please do it again? We thank you and praise you for your goodness, your knowledge of us that's perfect. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We're